can survive if I let you. Let the new era begin. The era of the ECW. Oh my god. This is extreme. Welcome to This is Extreme. This is the ECW podcast you have all been waiting for. My name is Dave Dynasty and I am your host for this podcast. And we are glad you joined us for our debut episode. In this episode, we are going to talk about August 1994, the birth of Extreme. Before we do that, let me talk to you a little bit about what this show is all about. We are going to take deep dives into the history of ECW. Each episode will focus in on a particular time period or a wrestler or an event or a topic of conversation pertaining to ECW. We will not be doing television show reviews. Now, we will mention the episodes of the show within our discussions because they will be relevant to those topics. Now, if you like television show reviews, I highly advise you go out and check out the Reliving the Extreme podcast. My buddies over there have a great show. They dive into every episode of ECW television. Go subscribe to them. It is a great companion podcast to what we do here. In the future, we will have interviews with different wrestlers and personalities and behind-the-scenes people, people that you may not even know who they are, but will have played integral parts of ECW history. We will talk in-depth about the, the historical timeline of events and, and happenings within this company. You're here and I'm here because we're all huge fans of ECW. I'm hoping that we will uncover a few things that maybe you didn't know. But even if you did know everything, I'm hoping that we present them to you in a fashion, in a package that you will like. Today, like I said, we're going to focus on August 1994, the birth of Extreme. Now that means we are obviously going to key on one particular episode, or one, excuse me, one particular happening in that month. That is the August 27th, 1994 NWA title tournament. You all know what that is. You all know what happened. You all know the the event uh, and what it meant. So there are other things that went on within the August 94. And one thing that's it's kind of cool and, and kind of key is there's a whole series of events between Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. Now, we're not going to we're going to mention those, but we're not going to dive too deep because I truly feel that that feud uh, deserves its own episode in the future. So, like I said, we will key on that NWA title tourney, and we will tell you from the start of the month on how we will get there. Now, where am I getting this information? Where am I getting the research? Well, I am glad you asked. A couple of my sources that I will use regularly is the trade publications, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and Pro Wrestling Torch. I have access to all the back files of these, epi- of these uh, newsletters, and I will look at those and grab details because these are firsthand accounts of what's going on at that time. These writings are occurring then. They will talk about some of the rumors uh, and some of the discussions and and developings at that time. So those will be my two key sources of information. Now, there are other websites that I will pull from. There are other shoot interviews and stuff that I will pull from. If I pull anything specifically from anything, I will denote it. I will give them credit. Now, we will mix in some audio from some television episodes and other things that we feel is relevant. To our discussion, we are we are analyzing this, right? We're taking a dive. We're doing research into this topic. And sometimes uh, the audio itself proves to be a key part of that. 
So that is it. That is what This Is Extreme is. That is what we are going to do. We are ready to dive into August 1994 and the birth of Extreme. Let's take a quick break. So stick around. Be sure to follow This Is Extreme on all social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for ECW Pod. Be sure to follow us, keep up to date, and join in the discussions. We want to hear your feedback. So find us on all the social media platforms and join the revolution. Now let's dive into the August 1994 ECW history. Uh, let's begin by saying coming into the month, uh, the ECW heavyweight champion is Shane Douglas. The television champion is Mikey Whipwreck. And the tag team champions are Public Enemy. So pulling from the August 1st, 1994 edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it says that ECW is expected to start on MSG Cable in September. Now, looking at the details, they actually... Uh, debuted on MSG on January 7th, 1995. So a little bit later than what this uh, is rumored to be. Uh, they're saying that the next major ECW show scheduled is 813. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck will defend the TV title against Jason. 911 will face Mr. Hughes. Terry Funk will wrestle Cactus Jack. Now, they do say Cactus Jack is still under contract to WCW at that time. And the word that they are getting is that they're cutting off working with ECW, so they'll have to wait and see the confirmation of that match. As we know, Cactus Jack sticks around for a little while, uh, so apparently the working relationship continues. Uh, Funk is not uh, contracted at WCW. He, he does do some work with them occasionally, but he is an independent contractor, uh, so he can continue to work for ECW. Uh, and this is the first mention we get, that ECW will be holding a tournament to determine the NWA heavyweight champion uh, who will end up working for Jim Crockett. Yes, that Jim Crockett, who is trying to help revitalize uh, the NWA. Uh, and they said the tournament is on August 27th in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Of course, we'll see in just a bit the location of that changes. Now, the first episode of Hardcore TV that we have for the month airs on August 2nd, 1994. Uh, those matches were taped July 15th at the ECW Arena and July 22nd at the Farmer's Market in Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. Now, moving on uh, from the August 6th edition of the Pro Wrestling Torch, uh, there is a rumor here saying that it looks like ECW may go national on Showtime. Uh, they say that the, the deal is in the early negotiation stages, according to ECW. We will talk about a little bit more about this in a minute as there's some other notes on it. As we all know, uh, ECW did not ever debut on Showtime, but it is interesting to think what what would have been, what, what could have been if at this point in 1994, uh, ECW had, had went national on Showtime. Uh, that would have been very, very interesting. Uh, the Torch talks about uh, an article um, written in the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, by Clark de Leon. Now, this article I have pulled off of newspapers.com. It will be posted on all the social medias here. So if you want to read this full article and see it, go to our social medias and you can see that. Uh, some of the highlights uh, from this recap of the article uh, has Leon saying, it's bloody, it's hardcore, and it's the damnedest thing you ever saw. Uh, he attended the July 23rd ECW event at ECW Arena, this says. Uh, I'm not sure on that date because I believe the uh, 
the print date of the article may, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about the dates. This, like I said, though, this says July 23rd is the show that he attended. Uh, in the article, uh, the reporter does refer to Paul Heyman as Gordon's partner in ECW. Uh, so that's interesting to note that at this point, uh, that is starting to be information that is known. Uh, I believe Heyman is just, at this point, is just booking. Uh, but they're, they refer to him as a partner here. Uh, another quote says, Philadelphia has taken the ECW as its own. Sort of like baseball and apple pie. This is actually a quote from Shane Douglas. When I first came here in August and I walked into the building, I went, oh man, this won't last long. And I slowly seen this thing grow and grow and grow to the point where the rest of the wrestling world is watching, not just in this country, but all over Europe and all over Japan. Those are very prophetic words from Douglas. Uh, and it's interesting to note that when he first got there, uh, Douglas has mentioned in interviews before that uh, they were riding together him and uh, Terry Funk were riding together to an ECW show early on when they were both being booked. And uh, they kind of looked at each other and said, ah, how long do you think this will last? And, ah, you know, probably not long. It is interesting to note, uh, though, how, as it went, how it progressed and how the, how the wrestlers uh, could see that growth. Uh, Paul Heyman uh, talks about the pacing of the promotion in this article. He says, it is a TV product that is done with the knowledge that the attention span of the purchasing public today is this quick. Uh, it's designed with the knowledge that today's buying public has their fingers cemented on the channel changer of the remote control. I'm the same way at home. If I don't like something, click, click on the remote. ECW wrestling is not a morality play. It's anarchy. And this is a crowd that thrives on action. And uh, I, I thought this was a cool quote because it, it does, right? Heyman, uh, Gordon, and ECW were very keen to the changing atmosphere of the buyer and viewers. And this is also, I mean, it's very prophetic. It's even developed even more, right? I mean, now it's, it's not about programming, right? It's about uh, clips and, and, and gifts and, and, uh, you know, video segments uh, and, and trying to get sound bites out there and trying to catch attention in this overwhelming world of opportunity and options uh, of media and everything being at your fingertips. And they were starting to see this then. And it was, it's very cool to see how Heyman had his finger on that pulse. Uh, and just one other highlight from this article, uh, it does denote that in a within a couple months, ECW, ECW excuse me, will be on New Jersey Sports Channel and perhaps MSG, and then Showtime may be next. Uh, so there, there is that rumor and that note of ECW and Showtime, uh, which of course we know uh, did not develop. Uh, now, moving on from the August 8th, 1994 Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, they again, they, in this one, they, they note the next major show is on August 13th, the ECW Arena. And this is the first observer note that the NWA title tournament will be taking place on 827 in Philadelphia, moved from Woodridge, New Jersey. So where earlier they were talking about how it was going to be in Woodridge, because I think there was a lot of fan pushback, uh, a lot of fan uh, fans making their voices heard there in, in, in Philly uh, and at the ECW arena. It had the tournament was moved to the ECW arena. At this point, as of August 8th, this publication of uh, this printing, no word on the talent, uh, uh, list for the tournament, or if the tournament will have anything to do with NWA promoters elsewhere, including Jim Crockett. Uh, so more development, of course, on the tournament here as we come in and talk a little further about the month. Uh, they do note here that Joey Styles has been back as announcer the past few weeks. Anybody that watches that early ECW product knows that, that when Styles was not there, there was a, definitely a key element missing. As we all know now, in retrospect, Joey Styles is the voice of ECW. Uh, so... I note here that he's back in the fold. 
Uh, now, they, they do talk here again about uh, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk and the, the relationship and so on with WCW. It says there has been a lot of heat from WCW about the television here, referring to ECW television, particularly interviews by Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. Funk did an interview talking about wrestling in WCW, but saying that he tells everyone and gets a lot of flack for it that ECW is where it's at. Now, Cactus Jack's interview, where he spat and threw down the WCW tag team title belt, got even more heat, particularly when he screeched that he isn't a family entertainer. Now, it, it, it's kind of odd because there has always been that philosophy in wrestling that you don't talk about or even acknowledge a lot of times other promotions, any competition out there. But with ECW and that rebellious nature and that edgy approach they were going, it really, really worked. And uh, and it, 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 like it said, it's, it's neat to see here how it, it kind of, it ruffled the feathers in WCW, but yet it fit perfectly in to ECW. Another note from this observer, it says that uh, ECW is tentatively looking to at running two house shows in September in Tampa and Ocula, Florida. However, that may be moved back to October because they're negotiating for a slot on the Sunshine Network. Um, so more talk about that in a bit. The next episode of ECW television aired on August 9th, 1994. Uh, it was taped, uh, also taped on July 15th at the ECW Arena and July 22nd at the Farmer's Market in Pennsylvania. A couple of notes about this episode of TV. Uh, there are some highlights from the Tommy Dreamer Sandman feud uh, that I mentioned earlier. Again, I think this is a topic I will dive deeper into in the future because I really think this feud and its development um, really can highlight a whole episode because particularly in what it did to establish Tommy Dreamer as a face of ECW. Uh, there is a promo uh, in this episode from Sam Man and Woman along uh, with that talking that, about that feud. So on August 13th, uh, ECW did promote uh, uh, Hardcore Heaven. That was their ECW uh, arena show that month at that time. Uh, they had 975 people in attendance and they billed it as a sellout. Just a couple notes from this. Uh, a lot of this was taped and will be on future TV, but it is a, worth noting that on the show, Jason pinned Mikey Whipwreck to win the ECW TV title. Uh, so a new television champion there in the form of Jason. And also on this show was the infamous Sandman versus Tommy Dreamer. Uh, excuse me, the first uh, Sandman versus Tommy Dreamer Singapore came match. Not the note, not the one, not the one that you know with the aftermath uh, that, again, we'll talk about at another point. This one ended when uh, Dreamer, uh, he, I believe he grabbed the cane, uh, hit Sandman, may have hit the referee, I'm not sure, but there was a disqualification. It really... Wasn't much of a match, but it really kind of kicked off and ignited and took to a new level uh, that Sandman, that Tommy Dreamer viewed. Um, so uh, some other notes uh, coming out of this on Pro Wrestling Torch. They they do talk about ECW debuting in Florida on September 23rd in Tampa and on September 21st in Ocula, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Howard Brody and Dory Funk Jr. are helping to remote those events. Of course, both of them are very, uh, have always been uh, have a lot of activity in Florida professional wrestling scene. That says ECW has a show scheduled for September 30th in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, at an arena with a seating capacity around 5,000. Uh, that's just worth noting because at this time, that's that's a, a larger venue than what ECW was known for, and, and you know if you know more tickets than they would have sold. So we'll see when we come to that point in the timeline. Uh, we'll see how that unfolds for them. So from the August 13th. 1994 edition of the Pro Wrestling Torch. Uh, it, it talks about 
ECW continues to negotiate for expanded coverage nationally on Showtime and regional cable sports channels. Uh, ECW began airing weekly on CTN in New Jersey, uh, or will begin on Friday, September 9th, and on the Sunshine Network in October on a weeknight time slot to be determined. Uh, dude, I do know, I, I have seen in my research, they did debut on the Sunshine Network on October 13th, 1994. Uh, they also talk about a weekly slot on MSG Network is not finalized yet, but looks better than 50-50 with the program content being approved and discussions taking place regarding time slot. And as we talked about earlier, uh, they do debut uh, on MSG uh, in October, I believe it was October, excuse me, uh, we talked about earlier, uh, they, no, excuse me, they debuted on January 7th, 1995 on MSG. Uh, so you can see the, the, the television network and the, the new uh, regions that ECW is starting to enter and stretch out to with their TD product is ever growing, right? They're always striking deals with different networks uh, to get their television show uh, out there. It says ECWO plans to also seek slots on the Prime Network, which uh, covers several markets, including Minnesota, Pass Network in Detroit, Prime Ticket in LA, and HSE, which is a southwest, southeast region, uh, including Texas. And it does, again, talk about Showtime's negotiations are still in the early stages, but as of this week, Showtime has sought out further meetings. Um, I really would like to dive into further these Showtime negotiations. I wish I could encounter some people uh, maybe even on the Showtime side that, you know, were a part of this to see how close was this to happening? Because this is when I did my research here for this episode. This is the first I ever, I've ever seen of them talking with Showtime. So I really would like to know more. How close was it to happening? Because, it, 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 again, it's very fascinating to me to think that in 1994, what if they had uh, garnered a national platform like that? What would that have meant uh, for the history of ECW? Uh, also in this issue of the torch, they talk about that there is a lot of talk changing of changing ECW's name as it expands into a national promotion, but the goal is to keep the ECW initials. So again, that's that's interesting note too, right? That we know what happens with the name change coming up uh, at the end of this month that we're discussing, but it it is worth noting that it's already come up, right? And it's already been discussed that if they do expand and they do gain a national platform. Uh, or even as they just look to do that, they're already discussing, hey, we're going to have to change our name, but we'd like to keep the initials. Uh, so that's interesting to note. Uh, so from the August 14th, 1994 Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it says that ECW will be debuting on the Sunshine Network in Florida uh, within the next two months. Uh, of course, that will help with the two shows that we talked that they're going to be doing in Florida in the future. It says negotiations are also going on with other cable sports networks. Uh, HSE, Rocky Mountain Prime, Prime Ticket and Pass. Uh, so see, again, a, a very key part of this time period for ECW was how they were growing and how they were expanding and adding these new uh, new regions, these new areas uh, to their viewership. Uh, and we go back and it, it discusses a little about the NWA tournament uh, on 827 in Philly, uh, which will it says at this point will include probably three outsiders plus the regular ECW crew. There are no names confirmed, although several have mentioned that Dean Malenko will be a part. Uh, okay, so the next episode of ECW TV was uh, August 16th, 1994. Uh, those were some matches taped at Hardcore Heaven on August 13th. And uh, part of that show is um, a, a some promos that were hyping the upcoming NWA tournament in the, the NWA Championship. 
So let's take a listen to some of that audio. Muhammad won't go to the mountain, so the mountain comes to Muhammad. Eastern Championship Wrestling wants to go worldwide, and finally the world's heavyweight title is brought right to the ECW arena. Saturday night, August 27th. You know, almost 20 years after the movie Network and Peter Finch was right, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. I'm mad as hell about these freaking whores who have pimped and raped and prostituted the sport of professional wrestling right down into the ground, right down into the gutter, right down into the circus with all the clowns. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. I'm mad as hell because there's not one man that can truly represent professional wrestling. I'm mad as hell because the NWA wants to crown a world heavyweight champion, and there ain't one real, true, bona fide man left in this sport to carry on the torch of the almighty NWA. I'm mad as hell because there's not one guy that I can point to and say, hey, that's a real man. That ain't no clown. That ain't no circus figure. That ain't no cartoon. That's the type of man that I want to see on, on Jay Leto, on David Letterman. Unregist representing professional wrestling. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. And on Saturday night, August 27th, I'm gonna damn sure do something about it. I'm calling 911. Now on Saturday night, August 27th, I finally have the opportunity to prove not just to Philadelphia, not just to the Mid-Atlantic states, but to the entire wrestling world that I am exactly what I say I am, the franchise of professional wrestling, the greatest athlete in this sport today. It has nothing to do with entertainment. It has nothing to do with who is on sitcoms in Hollywood. It has nothing to do with who can climb the corporate ladder in CNN Tower. It has nothing to do with who can kiss Ted Turner's ass. What it has to do with is who can be the greatest athlete in this sport today. Each night when I go to bed, my heart pounding in my chest, realizing that I am the true wrestling promotion champion in the world today, the ECW. But I've got one stepping stone to go a bit further. It's the NWA. I've grown up hearing all the stories of all the great champions in the NWA. The Luthezes, the Funk Brothers, and all the rest of them all the way down to 1990 something. When the NWA came out of existence because Ted Turner squashed it and wanted to make it family entertainment. Well, that's fine for TBS. If they want a cartoon character, Hulk Hogan's your man. If you want a 50-year-old man, woo, saying he's world's heavyweight champion, that's fine. If you want a man who wears a bra better than any woman I know, the American dream doth the road of the man for you. But if you want a wrestler, if you want a franchise, if you want an athlete, the man that you want is standing right before you live and in living color and calling himself the franchise of professional wrestling. You see, it goes like this. And I'm talking to you, Dick Flair. You've gone around long enough saying that you were the man. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. In 1994, I say that Shane Douglas is the man. And if you don't like that, Ric Flair, you can come up and seed yourself in this tournament. I'll pull any strings I gotta pull. I'll give you my seed and I'll take the last seed and climb myself up that ladder just to get to your bleach blonde ass. Now, Ric Flair, the sweat on my brow and the blood that I've bled in this sport 
and the tears that I've cried when I first broke in and getting beat up goes like this. On one fateful night in 1994, August 27th in ECW Arena, the NWA tournament will be held to find out who is the man. I say it's me. And I say this, Ric Flair, if you don't like what I'm saying, come and try to take it away from me. Come and try to make me take back my words. Because once I win the NWA title, Ric Flair, I've invited you to Philadelphia, to my backyard, and I know you won't come, the coward that you are. But once I win the NWA title, I'll challenge you to a match right there in CNN Center, right there in the Omni, right there at center stage, in Orlando, Disney World, it doesn't matter, in your backyard. As a shoot, Ric Flair, as a shoot, you and I, because I hate your guts, and I think you're a coward, and I think you're a chicken So come face the NWA champion. Come August 27th, what I say comes true, and Ric Flair, Dick Flair, you're not off the chopping block just yet, boy. Look at the new wrestling champion of the world. <laughs> now, coming out of that, we go to the August 20th, 1994 Pro Wrestling Torch issue. And this is where details really start to solidify on the NWA title tournament. Uh, it talks about on August 27th, the NWA board member and ECW promoter Todd Gordon is holding an eight-man single elimination tournament at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia to crown a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, it talks about the talent, and it has some names here. Dean Malenko, Shane Douglas, Two Cold Scorpio, Tasmaniac, 911, uh, and it denotes a wild card, and it does mention possibly Chris Benoit and Hawk as being part of the tournament. That is Road Warrior Hawk. Uh, it says Dennis, or excuse me, NWA board member Dennis Coraluzzo says that he wants nothing to do with the tournament because it has because it has not been planned through official channels. He says NWA board members Jim Crockett and Steve Rickard of New Zealand feel the same way. NWA attorney Bob Trobich, who Coraluzzo says is owed thousands of dollars by the NWA from their dealings with WCW last year, wants his money before any other action is taken. Uh, Coraluzzo says. If he, talking about Todd Gordon, does not have approval from the board, then the title's not official. Uh, so it talks about the NWA board a little bit, and it does say that at this time, there are six members, only three of whom, whom promote regularly in the United States. Uh, they are Gordon, Coraluzzo, Crockett, Rickard, Larry O'Day of Australia, and then Trobich, the, the attorney we spoke with. Uh, Coraluzzo goes on to say that there is no united plan at this time. Quote, it's not something personal between Gordon and me. It's just that we have to act like a cohesive organization and respect each other's authority. That's not what's happening. If he comes to me, if he came to me two months ago and tried to work this out, that's one thing. But for the last nine months, he and his partner, which we have to understand, would that would be Paul Heyman, uh, but he doesn't call him out by name here, have been uh, pissing on my neck and telling me it's the rain. Now, all of a sudden, they're my buddies. I don't get off. I didn't get off the boat yesterday, excuse me. Um, so you can see there's already tension here, right? Uh, Todd Gordon is is setting up this tournament. He's doing it. Coraluz are saying it's not through official channels. It, he didn't go the official route. Therefore, it's not going to count. It's not going uh, not going to matter. But Gordon, I don't think, cares, right? He does not believe that Coraluzo has uh, anything, any, any, any strength to push back on him. 
Um, it says that uh, Corey Loser says he was invited to present the NWA belt to the winner of the tournament on the August 27th, but he doesn't plan to accept the offer. If I'm not there and Crockett's not there, it will seem like an ECW work. ECW booker Paul Heyman says that this tournament was planned earlier this summer mainly because of Crockett. I'm doing it because Crockett encouraged me to do it on behalf of Rickard and O'Day, Heyman says. If they're going to say it's unofficial, then fuck them. I don't recall seeing any paperwork coming across my desk before Crockett crowned an NWA women's champion. I don't recall, recall having any of the ECW tag teams being invited to Crockett's NWA tag team tournament. Uh, the belts that were which at one time promised to the public enemy. So ECW, Gordon and, and Heyman are saying there's precedent here, right? Uh, they're talking about these official channels. They're talking about board approval, but yet they've crowned these other champions and, and they didn't go through the same veins and that they didn't actually even ask for ECW uh, to be involved in those. Uh, it says that the, the torch called Coraluzo, or excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, Heyman says that he called Coraluzo and invited him to the show as a courtesy, and he hasn't called back. Uh, Coraluzo says that several board members want to wait for the annual NWA board meeting on September 15th before planning a tournament to crown a champion. Uh, Todd Gordon says the NWA tournament is made up of four of his regulars, uh, 911, Tasmaniac, Shane Douglas, and Scorpio, and none of Crockett's wrestlers because, quote, none of his guys would make the top eight. They're either new guys or veterans past world title level status. Uh, and they do make a note here that Sabu is not going to be in the tournament because he will be in Japan at the time. And that Terry Funk will not be in the tournament uh, because he, at this point, is scheduled to take part in the tag team grudge match on the same card. Uh, they says that the NWA does have concern that if Gordon crowns, uh, for instance, Shane Douglas as the NWA champion without board voting, Douglas could be a, quote, company champion and other NWA promoters would not have access to him, defeating the purpose of having a so-called world champion. Uh, so there is a lot of concern here that Gordon holding this tournament, crowning the champion, uh, means he will have the market on the world title and on the world uh, championship, and that the other members will not get dates, uh, will not get says in, in title changes, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, from the August 22nd, 1994 Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, Dave Meltzer talks about the controversy uh, surrounding the NWA title tournament. Uh, and he says that Todd Gordon of Eastern Championship Wrestling is promoting on 827 in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena. Gordon has announced, uh, he announced at his 716 house show in Philly that he would be promoting an NWA World Title Tournament, uh, originally announced for Woodbridge, New Jersey, but after much complaining from his loyal Philadelphia fans, it was switched to the ECW Arena. However, the NWA at this point doesn't approve. As says Gordon, working with Crockett's Blessing, and in fact, claiming Crockett himself requested it, decided to run a tournament to create an NWA World Heavyweight Champion, reviving the title once again. Gordon said he was under the impression it was approval given by the board when Crockett made the suggestion to him. Others claim Gordon never sought out approval from the NWA board, which controls the title before making the announcement. Either way, NWA sources tell us as of press time, Gordon doesn't have approval to create an NWA Heavyweight Champion. After making the announcement, Gordon did attempt to make contact with Coraluzo, both of whom considered the other as rivals because of the close proximity in which each runs indie shows. The approval of Coraluzo and Crockett would give Gordon the majority needed to approve his tournament and his champion. As of press time, Coraluzo was against having the tournament or giving the tournament approval, but was willing to give in, provided a contract is drawn up 
giving the other promoters dates on the champion, putting it in writing that the champion would agree to lose the belt in the middle of the ring when the board decides to make a change, and also wanting a voice in who would be made champion as his position on the so-called board gives him the power to do so. This contract is is, is very important, as we'll see coming up uh, in, in the situation and, and, and what ends up happening on August 27th. So just stay tuned for that. It says that uh, Todd Gordon is still planning the tournament, which by the bylaws, without either Rickard or Coraluzzo's permission, he should have no right to do so. Gordon claimed he's now getting the feeling he's being set up, but that he's not going to be a party in what he calls gamesmanship going around and said that he doesn't or he hasn't heard anything negative from anyone, either representing the NWA or on the NWA board. He said he's going to run a tournament and crown a champion no matter what, and said that the champion will be made available to Crockett or any other NWA promoter that wants dates on him. So there's already a lot of tension here, right? There's already everybody thinking uh, that they're getting stabbed in the back, that that there's uh, side plans being run and, and everything else. Um, when you get a group of promoters trying to work together, this is what happens, right? They, they cannot make a decision on these things. And it's very, very difficult, especially when there's already some tension between a couple of the promoters because of, of the area that they run. Uh, the newsletter goes on to say, so even if Gordon doesn't get approval before tournament time, he's already said he's going to run the tournament and use the name anyway. Now, this is a 10-man single elimination tournament is at press time scheduled to include Shane Douglas, Two Cool Scorpio, Tasmaniac, 911, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Osama Nishimuru, and three others to be announced, one of whom negotiations are going on uh, to be Road Warrior Hawk, but he hasn't officially confirmed at press time. It says the NWA legally could attempt to get a restraining order against the tournament, and as it is a trademarked name, Gordon appears to be banking that this won't happen, and he's probably correct. The NWA board already owes 5000 in legal fees from its losing case last year with WCW that it hasn't paid, and nobody seems to want to ante up the money to keep control of the name. So it's already in turmoil, right? Gordon, Gordon announced this tournament and, and that he's going to do it. Uh, he's banking on the fact that the NWA will not and cannot push back on him legally to do so, but yet uh, the board is saying that, well, without their approval, this can't happen and it won't be official. So there's already all this tension. And to be fair, a lot of it is probably justified because at this point, there is probably already plans in motion of what's going to happen and, and what they're going to attempt to do. Uh, so the next episode of ECW Hardcore TV aired on August 23rd uh, with more matches uh, that were filmed at Heat Wave uh, at, on July 16th and at Hardcore Heaven on 813. A couple of notes. There was uh, some more build up to the Sandman Dreamer feud. And um, there was uh, more talk on the tournament and, and the brackets and some of the build up to that. Uh, so let's go to some more audio talking about the upcoming NWA title tournament. Hello, everyone, and welcome to NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. This is Joey Styles of the Eagles Nest high above the ECW arena, and the air has just become electric as we are less than four days away from crowning a new National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion right here in Philadelphia. That's right, Eastern Championship Wrestling, as we all know, has been selected as the organization to host the tournament 
to crown the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. We have plenty of information, interviews from the contenders in that tournament, all of that and much, much more this week on NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. Let's not waste any more time. Here's how the field shapes up for this Saturday night's NWA World Title Tournament. The ECW champion, the franchise, Shane Douglas, will face the Tasmaniac. Dean Malenko of the world-famous Malenko family will face Osama Nishimoro. The winner of Shane Douglas versus the Tasmaniac will face the winner of Malenko versus Nishimura. In bracket number two, high-flying two-gold Scorpio takes to the skies to collide with international superstar Chris Benoit. Wow, what a matchup that is. 9-1-1 will face a wild-card wrestler. Remember, there is a wild-card spot open because Terry Funk dropped out of this tournament the team with Cactus Jack to face the public enemy. The winner of two Cold Scorpio versus Benoit will face the winner of 911 versus the wild card. The winner of that bracket will face the winner of the first bracket. And there are so many combinations. What an exciting tournament this will be this Saturday night at the ECW Arena. For those of you who might not know who I am, let me please introduce myself. My name is Dean Malenko. And for the past 15 some odd years, I have been wrestling on the international wrestling circuit in such countries as Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico and parts of Europe. Several weeks ago, I was contacted by the representatives of ECW Championship Wrestling, and at that time, they invited me to partake in what I feel is the most prestigious wrestling tournament ever to be held in the history of pro wrestling, and that is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship Tournament to be held this upcoming Saturday in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. You know, when you look back at some of the great, great NWA champions who had one time or another held this belt, from the likes of Gene Kaninsky, Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Jack Briscoe, the great New Zealand champion, Pat O'Connor, and the seven-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the great Lou Thez. You can't help but get excited to think that maybe your name could be said in the same breath as these fine gentlemen. Now, for the last couple weeks, I have been preparing myself, both mentally and physically, for what I feel is gonna be a hard task in front of me. Now, to be eight gentlemen, that'll be involved in this tournament. And I know the names of the other seven. And when I look at the talent, the array of talent that has been put together for this such tournament, I can't help but get the adrenaline pumping and my mind focused on one thing, and that is to walk away from this tournament with the belt around my waist. They got the Canadian superstar Chris Benoit, Nishimura from Japan, Tasmaniac, the gentleman they call 911, Shane Douglas, and the great high-flying aerial attack of Two Cold Scorpio. Now, when I think as a young boy and the dream I had and the dreams that I wanted to fulfill in my wrestling career, I can only think of one dream, and that is the NWA championship belt. You know, everybody has dreams, but not everybody gets the opportunity to fulfill a dream. This is my opportunity. This is my time, my moment. When I step in that ring, whoever it's gonna be in the first round, I will give 110% of myself. Now, I know a lot of people here in the United States might know my name too well, but when I leave Philadelphia on Saturday night, with or without the belt, I know one thing, that is, that the name Dean Malenko will be in the minds of many. It, NWA has a long history behind it. And um, like I said, there's been some great champions that have held this belt. And it's gonna take a lot of effort, a lot of time, 
And you know, when I think of Philadelphia, I think of many great sporting teams, the Liberty Bell, but one thing I think of is Rocky Balboa, a guy who had a dream. I'm the Rocky Balboa now. What do you tell the people? Do you explain to them that the NWA was the first organization to ever crown a world heavyweight wrestling champion all the way back in 1905? Do you explain to them that it's common knowledge that the NWA wants to have the third world heavyweight wrestling championship? That the WWF has a world heavyweight champion named Bret the Hitman Hart who defends his title all over the globe? That the WCW world heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan next month will be traveling all over the world to defend his title? Do you then explain to the people that the NWA wants to step up to the plate, wants to compete with the WWF, wants to compete with WCW, and the NWA knows that after a year of politics and diplomacy and lawsuits and threats and boasts and brags and backstabbing among the promoters, that they finally have come together to unify and declare one man the best that wrestling has to offer, the NWA World's Heavyweight Wrestling Champion? Do you sit there and try to analyze how each of the eight men that are involved have different motivations, have different reasons for wanting to be the World's Heavyweight Champion? Whether it be Dean Malenko, who has something to prove to his family, whether it be Too Cold Scorpio, who wants to provide something better for his family, whether it be the franchise Shane Douglas, who wants to prove something to the world, whether it be Chris Benoit, a protege, the Dynamite Kid, who just wants it for that personal satisfaction of knowing that he's the best wrestler in the world today. Do, do you want to think about Osama Nishimura, who wants to go back to Japan with the world's heavyweight title and achieve the recognition that's only been achieved in New Japan pro wrestling by people like Antonio Inoki and Masa Chono and and the great Muda, I mean, you go down the list. How about the Tasmaniac? I mean, here's the guy. If you ever doubted the Tasmaniac's authenticity, I guarantee you step into the ring with him and try to block one of his suplexes. When he gets his hands on you, he will earn your respect. I guarantee you. Is it the mystery man, the wild card drawing that nobody seems to know who this joker is? Is it going to be 911 whose motivation simply is because I want to control the NWA World's Heavyweight Wrestling Champion? So many things for me to say to you people. So little time for me to expostulate on the virtues of the next man to be crowned the NWA World's Heavyweight Wrestling Champion. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, do I call somebody on the phone and ask them their opinion? What do I do to convey to you people the importance of this Saturday night? Do I sit here and say, hey, the public enemy is going to fight the most hardcore tag team that's ever been put together in the history of professional wrestling, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk? Do I sit here and tell you that Terry Funk hates the public enemy so much that he backed out of the NWA World Heavyweight Wrestling title tournament just to get his hands on the public enemy? Terry Funk, who hasn't been the NWA World Heavyweight Champion since February 6, 1977, when he submitted the Harley Race in Toronto to the Indian Deathlock, when he already had two knee surgeries in the previous month. Terry Funk, who's wanted to be the NWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, pulls out of the tournament just to get his hands on the public enemy, which leaves one slot open, and the other seven men are grateful that Funk aren't in it because each man wants to run 
represent professional wrestling going into the future? What do I need to tell you people? What do you want to know? How do I convey to you the importance of this Saturday night? Here's what I have to say. This Saturday night, professional wrestling fans all over the world, the hell with you. This comes down to me. I don't like what wrestling's all about anymore. I don't like what the sport has become. I don't like the shape that wrestling is in. So what do you do when you're in trouble? Huh? Do you sit down? Do you pray? Or do you call someone for help? I'm calling someone for help. I'm reaching out to the Messiah of the wrestling world. This Saturday night, I bring to you the savior of professional wrestling. The whole wrestling world will call nine one. Now, from the August 29th, 1994 Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it says, The tournament to recreate the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship is scheduled for August 27th in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, and it seems, as of press time, to have been giving the official NWA sanction. So this is a huge development here. It says, After a week of haggling back and forth, it appeared the tournament would go on despite not being approved by the NWA board, which would hold the decision-making power. Uh, according to ECW promoter Todd Gordon, on August 22nd, he had reached an agreement with Dennis Coraluzzo, who would appear at the show and, along with Jim Crockett, would give him the two necessary votes out of the three board members to sanction the tournament to create the championship. And it says the more pragmatic ideal is that since they weren't financially prepared to go to court to enforce their power over the name, uh, them being the NWA, if they wanted to block things, Gordon was going to do the tournament anyway, so they might as well go along with it, uh, which is, that was what Gordon was banking along on all along, right? That he was going to do it. Uh, if he didn't have the backing of the NWA, what were they going to do about it, right? They, they were in no position financially or otherwise to do anything. Uh, so he was kind of banking on them being backed into that corner. Uh, it goes on to say, it had appeared for most of the week that Cora Luzo and the remaining board member, Steve Rickard of New Zealand, were against Gordon holding the tournament. Rickard wanted to wait until after the NWA convention scheduled for September 15th in Atlantic City before agreeing to a new champion, although reportedly after the situation was reported last week, he was for creating a champion and going along with the tournament because of the feeling that publicity made the organization look bad. Uh, so he was wanting to wait, Rickard was wanting to wait till after the meetings, but he felt that, that all this is negative press was really getting their quest to crown a new champion and, and kind of uh, bring the NWA back to prominence that they were getting off on the wrong foot uh, here. Um, but Cora Luzo uh, says was pushing for a different wrestler, Chris Benoit, to win the tournament uh, than what Gordon had picked and what Crockett wanted. Uh, as of Friday, it appeared the two sides had reached an impasse largely over the issue of who would win the tournament. Uh, reportedly, there was a verbal promise made that would be put into writing this week before the tournament that the eventual, eventual winner would drop the title bid wall, although Gordon's booker Paul Heyman reportedly told Coraluzo on 822 that they would steal bid wall as they had Sabu and Terry Funk, whom Coraluzo had been using, and don't work dates in the area for him anymore. Uh, Crockett on Friday attempted to convince Coraluzo to agree to Gordon's choice in the tournament rather than bid wall. Uh, it says that Crockett made a very scary statement that he had never even heard of Benoit, 
and that how could Coraluzzo know if the guy had the work ethic to be necessary to be champion? Uh, it is scary to me, and it shows maybe a little bit how out of touch Jim Crockett was at this time, that if in August of 1994 he did not know who Chris Benoit was. Uh, you would think that would he would have to you have known, but uh, he, he didn't. So, you know, it shows, again, how out of touch he was, and it, it, it kind of shows some of the elements of, of why the NWA was having some of these issues and what some of their struggles were. Uh, the update is the single elimination tournament bracketing at press time was set for a Shane Douglas versus Tasmaniac, Dean Malenko versus Asumu, Asumu <laughs> excuse me, Nishimuru, Benoit versus Two Cold Scorpio, and 911 versus an as yet unnamed opponent in the first round, with the winners of the first two matches and second two matches meeting in the semifinals. And it does say at this time that Road Warrior Hawk nixed appearing in the 827 tournament. So there was talks of having Hawk involved as he was very involved in Eastern Championship Wrestling around this time and that he declined to be in it. Uh, so now um, they have the tournament <laughs> and we know some of the stories about that, but let's talk a little bit about it. So uh, some of the dates on these newsletters are they're past our August timeline we're talking, but that is because they're discussing happenings within August. So we're talking here, taking here from September 3rd, 1994, Pro Wrestling Torch, uh, where they write that the new Extreme Championship Wrestling graphics, banners, and ring aprons are already being worked on. Uh, so that uh, coming out of that. So now the special report talking about Shane Douglas winning and rejecting the NWA belt. It says last week, obviously on 827, following a week of controversy, the NWA board approved ECW's tournament to crown a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. That approval was thrown into the face of the NWA by Shane Douglas in ECW the night of the tournament. Shane Douglas defeated two Cold Scorpio in the tournament finals on August 27th in Philadelphia at ECW Arena in front of a packed house. After winning the belt, he grabbed the house mic and gave a controversial speech. He threw the NWA belt, which is a new replica of the old NWA belt worn by Harley Race and Ric Flair in the 70s and 80s, uh, threw it down. Uh, the move by Douglas, which was at very least talked about among ECW officials long before the tournament took place, surprised NWA board member Dennis Coraluzzo, who attended the card in person. I was double-crossed, Coraluzzo told the torch. I went there as a team player for the NWA, and with all that happened before, I thought this would wipe the slate clean. I was sincere and wasn't working anyone. The bottom line is they're double-crossers, Ted and Paul, Todd and Paul, and people shouldn't do business with them. People should be very leery. Todd told me, let's forget about past problems, but that was all a crock of shit. I went there and showed respect for the heritage of the NWA, and they spit on it. When asked Monday night if he lied to and double-crossed Coraluzzo, Todd Gordon said, no comment. Gordon said he wanted to talk with Jim Crockett before going on record with comments, and he is expected to make a comment by next week. So, Gordon did read a statement on the August 23rd ECW television show, which reveals part two of this controversial scenario that is sure to upset the NWA board members more than Douglas's comments. On the TV show, after Coraluzzo made a statement saying the NWA has jurisdiction over ECW and would be looking into taking action against Douglas, Gordon had this to say. A representative of the NWA board of directors took it upon himself to inform me that they had the power to force NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling not to recognize the franchise Shane Douglas as the world's heavyweight champion. 
Well, as of noon today, I have folded NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. In its place will be ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling. And we will recognize the franchise Shane Douglas as our world's heavyweight champion. We encourage any wrestler in the world today to come to the ECW to challenge for that belt. This is the ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling, wrestling changing the face of wrestling. It goes on to say that ECW has apparently broken off its association with the NWA and will not renew its membership in September. ECW, while perhaps alienating fellow NWA board members, has taken one more step towards establishing itself as an independent, unpredictable organization. Says ECW booker and producer Paul Heyman, it's indicative of our style. This is a very extreme form of the brand of entertainment we are doing. Everybody is extreme. It has an edge to it. Our guys say, let's give these people a show. The major issue involved was to get out of the isolation of being Eastern, thus the name change. We don't have NWA in front of our name anymore. Um, so there you have it, right? We're, we're at the point. Everybody knows about the quote-unquote double cross. Everybody knows about Shane Douglas winning the tournament, tossing down the belt, and giving that infamous speech. Everybody knows about Todd Gordon going on TV and talking about the name change and what is truly the birth of Extreme. Uh, but here it is being reported in the Pro Wrestling Torch uh, in real time. Uh, it also talks about on the card, uh, the same card, Terry Funk and Cactus Jack were scheduled to face the public enemy for the tag titles. Um, but they, Funk was not there. It is talked about that Funk, uh, maybe Funk had an issue with what was going on. Maybe he got wind of it, and that's why he was not there. Uh, Todd Gordon apologized to the fans uh, and offered refunds or whatever else. I, I believe that part of this fallout was the fact that the next day they had kind of a freebie show, and I think that was part of it. Uh, Tom D. Dreamer offered to come out and take Funk's place, but he was attacked by the public enemy. Uh, and this is the 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 wild scenario where Jack went back to find a partner and he drug out Mikey Whipwreck. And as we know, uh, Jack and Whipwreck went on to win the ECW tag belts. Uh, the fallout from the scenario is with the possibility of ECW signing with the MSG network this week and expanding to other regional sports channels, it, appear, it appears as if ECW is going to make a run at promoting nationally independent of the NWA, although the tactics they use to establish their independence will be questioned, if not criticized, by many. Uh, in the September 5th, 1994 Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, Meltzer writes, the plan to have ECW champion Shane Douglas win the tournament, then say the belt was worthless and throw it on the ground, was several weeks in the making and had a dual purpose. It was both a way to give Douglas credibility as more than a local champion as ECW changed its name from being Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling, and Douglas's championship of the promotion would now be called the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, in attempts to expand outside the Philadelphia area and to publicly double-cross the NWA, particularly Dennis Coraluzzo and possibly Jim Crockett, and give the group the renegade promotion reputation it is building on. Even after the double-cross, ECW officials Paul E. Dangerously in particular tried to place a, uh, placate Coraluzzo, telling him it was only an angle to get heat on Douglas, but that turned out to be just another in a string of lies when the reality was obvious on television three nights later that it was a public statement which did get over with the ECW core audience and which heavily booed Coraluzzo from the moment he came into the ring as an NWA rep. Um, in the tournament, as Coraluzzo presented the new NWA title belt, Douglas started his long speech about the history of the title and the names. Uh, we'll go more into that in a minute. Uh, before going to the ring, Coraluzzo 
got Douglas to sign a contract as NWA champion, which stipulated that he agreed to drop the title when it was requested by a majority vote of the NWA board. If, Dus if Douglas doesn't abide by the contract, as he apparently will not be doing, then the NWA can strip him of the title. Uh, although both Coraluzo and Trabich were mad, more at Gordon than Paul Heyman, who no doubt masturbated most, if not all, of what happened, Crockett, according to those who have spoken with him since the incident, seems unconcerned about it. Trabich, who didn't find out about what happened until 8.30, was heavily critical of Gordon, saying he didn't deal with him in good faith, although said he really didn't see it as being significant, because the only people he said who would know about it are the 850 fans in the building, and those who read about it in The Observer and Torch. Um, boy, did he have to eat those words, right? Uh, so he, he felt that it was insignificant and really did not see much coming of it. And and what has now become this iconic moment in professional wrestling history uh, and that everybody, it, every fan of professional wrestling is familiar with. Now, uh, from the Kayfabe Commentaries Timeline Series 1994, uh, an interview uh, discussing, again, the month-by-month, uh, 1994, conducted by Sean Oliver, Shane Douglas says that he was hesitant of Heyman's ideal, uh, but realized the NWA was long gone, and so agreed to go along with it. He said that Heyman called Shane a week before with this ideal, uh, and that Coraluzzo kept pushing Shane to sign that contract, and Dennis went on Mike Tanay's radio station, or radio show, saying that Shane no-showed dates, and this is kind of what sealed the deal in, in Shane's mind to go along with it. Uh, Shane said that backstage after the tournament, Dennis wouldn't look at Shane and then came up and told him that he would have to defend the belt. Uh, Heyman talked to Coraluzo, and that is where they filmed the Dennis Coraluzo promo that appeared on Hardcore TV. So, uh, I, I know I've read them. I know I've talked about them. I know you've heard them a million times. Uh, this whole thing's fascinating, right? That This tournament and how it went down. And there was all this plans to do this that, that started weeks before. And that apparently a week before is when Heyman tried to bring Shane in on the ideal and where it was going. And in each, if you look back at it, each step really appears to be significant and masterminded. It talked about Paul Heyman backstage uh, telling Dennis Coraluzo, oh, it's just the work. It's just for heat. I'm pretty sure that was a lie told to get Dennis Coraluzo to agree to film the segment so they could put it on their TV, which would set up the, re, the, the comments in response from Todd Gordon. Uh, dissolving Easter's Championship Wrestling and forming uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling. So every single segment of this, uh, which it's being noted by, by Meltzer and everybody else, was more than likely virtually almost 100% Paul Heyman's doing. Uh, every little segment of it was so well planned out and so well thought of with this in mind. They, had, they, they want to expand. They've been looking to expand. We've talked about it uh, through this whole episode of how they've reached out to all these other regional sports networks and all these stations. They're already starting to expand their, their viewership and their base. The plans are there. At this time, when you go in with television viewership soon after and you establish yourself soon after, you follow in with live shows. And that is how you, you grow and how you expand your base. So it's clear that ECW was already looking to expand. They already had these plans. These wills were already in motion for them to expand. And and they, they, they've already have established this edge to them, right? And this, they, they knew what they wanted to do as far as a product goes. Heyman had this vision and his ideals already coming. And this, this was twofold, right? There's a lot of parts to this on, on why they may have come up with this NWA title tournament, uh, screw job ordeal or whatever you want to call it. Number one, 
in a lot of people's minds, it did help elevate their title, right? Because whether the board recognized him or not, Shane won the tournament. He would, you know, was the NWA champion, but instead he chose this belt. So it brings, it elevates Shane. It elevates that title up to a certain level, right? Um, and, and what you think of it. And plus there's just the controversy of it and there's the attention that will be on it. And there is the, the, the TV product that would come out of it. Um, you know, I mean, this faulted ECW do headlines of the newsletters and, and all the talk of the world and got attention on them. So there was that whole side of it. Um, it, it was very, very well thought out, very well planned uh, as a step and a part of their development and their growth and the fact that they were trying to expand it and become a national product. And like I started to say, um, I, I read a lot of, of those promos, right? The Shane promo, the Todd Gordon uh, comments, the Dennis Coraluzzo comments uh, that were on uh, Hardcore TV. But let's let's hear those because there's such important, impactful moments uh, in the birth of ECW and the birth of Extreme and in the history of ECW. So let's listen to those now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to NW. That is, welcome to Eastern. Ch this whole situation will be self-explanatory by the end of the program. In any case, I am Joey Styles, and this is the ECW. And tonight, we crown a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I stand here before God and my Father in heaven tonight, as I said I would be World Heavyweight Champion. In the tradition of Luthes. In the tradition of Jack Briscoe, of the Briscoe Brothers, of Dory Funk Jr., of Terry Funk, the man who'll never die. As the real nature boy, Buddy Rogers, upstairs tonight. That's the ECW belt. Before God and my father is witness, 
I declare myself the franchise as the new ECW heavyweight champion of the world! Shane Douglas declaring himself we have set out ECW to change world the champion of professional wrestling. So tonight, let the new era begin. The era of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. I have nothing to say at this time. You have to get a statement from our spokesman. I'm on the way now to have a conference call with fellow board direct members Jim Crockett and Steve Ricard. What happened tonight was a disgrace. I'm disappointed at it. Shane Douglas is the NWA champion. He threw the belt down. He had no right to do that. Remember one thing. ECW is an NWA member and they're under our jurisdiction. I'm going to leave right now, have a conference call, and all I can say is Shane Douglas is the world champion, NWA world champion, whether he likes it or not, and we're also going to have this problem taken care of with this ECW championship. We're going to talk about the possibility of having both belts stripped from him, because he doesn't deserve to be the NWA world champion. When do you expect to get this resolved? Hopefully tonight. Thank you. Well, Dennis Carluzzo of the National Wrestling Alliance obviously upset, claiming Shane Douglas is not worthy of being the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Standing by right now is ECW Commissioner Todd Gordon, who is going to straighten out this entire situation and shock the wrestling world. I listened with great interest as the representative of the NWA Board of Directors took it upon himself to inform you that they have the power to force NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling not to recognize the franchise, Shane Douglas, as the World Heavyweight Champion. Well, as of noon today, I have folded NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. In its place will be ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. And we recognize the franchise, Shane Douglas, as our World Heavyweight Champion. And we encourage any wrestler in the world today to come to the ECW to challenge for that belt. This is the ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling, changing the face of wrestling. All right, now let's look at a few last-minute results and notes and wrap this stuff up. As we know, of course, uh, August 27th was the NWA title tournament uh, at the ECW Arena. Uh, one note is Steve Carino was in attendance at the show. So let's talk about some of the first-round matches here. At uh, 911 with Polly Dangerously pinned Doink the Clown. Of course, Matt Bourne, who was the mystery opponent in the tournament, uh, in a very quick fashion after hitting three choke slams. Uh, it was kind of a, this match was kind of, in my eyes, always a, a, a indication of ECW and what they were trying to do. A, a killing of the past and a dawning of the new. Uh, Doink representing some of the gimmicks in the past of wrestling. Uh, in the next match, uh, Shane Douglas pinned the Tasmaniac. Uh, then Two Cold Scorpio beat Chris Benoit. Uh, Dean Malenko pinned Osamu Nishimura. Nishimura. I'm sorry, I've butchered that name the entire show, and I do apologize. All right, in the first semifinal match, Two Cold Scorpio defeated 9-1-1. And in the other, Shane Douglas beat Dean Malenko. Uh, then in a non-tournament match, uh, as we talked about earlier, Cactus Jack and Jack, excuse me, Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck defeated Public Enemy to win the titles. Uh, that is a, a fun, fun match. Uh, to have the vision of Cactus Jack going to the back and pulling Mikey out behind him and the crowd popping for it. 
uh, is truly a classic ECW moment. And then, of course, in the tournament final, Shane Douglas pinned two cold Scorpio and uh, then gave his infamous speech after. The next night, August 28th, uh, at the ECW Arena, 350 freebies at the show uh, to see J.T. Smith defeat Stevie Richards, the Tasmaniac defeat Ray Odyssey, Chris Benoit defeated Chad Austin, uh, the Sandman defeated Tommy Dreamer in a Singapore cane match, uh, the aftermath of which is what made Tommy Dreamer. Uh, we will talk about that, like I've said several times, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. Uh, ECW TV champion Jason pinned J.T. Smith. Two Cold Scorpio defeated Storm and Norman. Uh, Shane Douglas pinned Osamu Nishimura. That was a great match. Uh, Cactus Jack and Mikey Ribrick defeated Dino Sendoff and Chris Canyon. Uh, Jason then pinned Rocky and Rebel. Chris Benoit pinned Nishimuru. Sandman pinned Hack Myers. Jason pinned Dennison, Di, Dennis, Dinos, Dino Sendoff. I'm not even sure. Uh, Shane Douglas defeated Stevie Richards. Public Enemy defeated Hack Myers and Storm and Norman. Chad Austin defeated the Rocky and Rebel. Chris Canyon fought, uh, fought Paul Loria to a no contest. And then Shane Douglas, Matt Bourne, and the Public Enemy defeated Two Court Scorpio, Chris Benoit, and Cactus Jack, and Mikey Whipwreck. Of course, a lot of that was TV tapings. And why you saw guys wrestle multiple times there. Um, then on August 30th to end the month, uh, ECW presented their final television episode of the month. Uh, taped uh, 827 and 828, the, the two shows I just mentioned. It, it featured matches, uh, some of the matches from that show. Um, and this is really where we get everything, right? 830, uh, August 30th, 1994 episode of Hardcore TV is, is really when we all when we all saw when we all knew right when ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling was born this is where it talks about the uh the Kane match and Tommy Dreamer being made uh, when we have the tourney highlights and the term tournament final match the Shane promo the Coraluzo interview the the Todd Gordon promo stating he was folding Eastern Championship West rest excuse me Eastern Championship Wrestling and forming Extreme Championship Wrestling and then at the end something is a cool moment that a lot of people don't talk about anymore it was very in indicative of the change uh, public enemy spray painting uh, over the eastern portion of the uh, ECW banner and, and spray painting extreme. And it was well, such a long segment because of the spray paint not cooperating. Uh, and that's how the show went off air. And that was a it was really, again, another symbolic gesture, right, of this of this change uh, in the company and, and a change in wrestling. Uh, some final notes here from the September 10th. 1994 edition of Pro Wrestling Torch. Uh, this is where Todd Gordon responds to the tournament controversy and everything going on. Uh, Gordon says, Jim Crockett came to me and asked ECW to host an NWA title tournament. To me, Crockett is the NWA, and we didn't need the other promoter's position for the tournament to be legitimate. I announced that we were hosting the tournament, and then all of a sudden, others in the NWA said we were horrible guys because we supposedly didn't go through proper channels. In my opinion, we were asked to do this so he, meaning Crockett, could eventually have a company champion like in the 80s. Then, Dennis Coraluzzo began running his mouth. How could we possibly work together with him saying we're trying to steal his talent and other things? That made no sense, and to take it public was inappropriate. Everything he was doing was against good business. As a result, I had to figure a way to extricate ourselves and leave the NWA. Afterwards, and that's talking about uh, everything that happened there at the arena, we allowed them to some dignity. Coraluzo cut a promo, and we aired it. 
the promo of, uh, this is the notes from the torch here. It says, the promo of Coraluzo saying Douglas was not NWA champion did air, but immediately after Gordon used the promo against Coraluzo in the NWA, so the reason ECW was pulling out of the organization, as the reason, excuse me, Gordon admits asking Coraluzo to make the statement uh, was also self-beneficial. Uh, when asked if his actions that night towards Coraluzo were, were disingenuous or dishonest, Coraluzo said, yes, we were very clever. Clever. Yes, this was a swerve. This guy had an obsession with his promotion for 18 months. He was begging for it. I had no regrets about the way this situation was handled. Uh, Coraluzo fa uh, faxed a statement to the Torch, stating that as of August 30th, 1994, the NWA has declared the recent heavyweight championship tournament held by ECW null and void. This is due to the conduct of Todd Gordon and the unprofessional attitude of Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas will never be recognized as a former NWA champion. A new tournament date is being set up now. Uh, so that's how it goes. Everybody out for themselves, out for what they wanted. Uh, and obviously, uh, there's just no doubt uh, Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon were playing Coraluzo in the NWA the, the entire time to get to their means. And no matter how you feel about this scenario and this situation, it, it worked, right? What what ECW became really, I mean, they were already on the rise, right? They were already on the growth. Uh, we talked about it even prior to this. They were already expanding in all these new markets on television and these new sports networks and sports channels. So they were they were already growing. Uh, but this, this, this marked it, right? This was the transition of a, uh, we are a regional promotion to we are going to be something more. Uh, and they had to do that, right? They had to establish their identity. They had to rebrand themselves. And they did it uh, in a way that was really impactful. And, and and I know a lot of people with the, the current eyes would look at it and say, ah, what was it? The NWA was not what it once was. It was this. It was that. And I get that. But if you keep in mind, there were not very many independent organizations out there, period, right? There wasn't, there was not a lot of, of companies in the market. So this was a big deal because the NWA was getting attention within the wrestling world, within the magazines, within the newsletters. And this, this really uh, leapfrogged them. Uh, the ECW leapfrogged them, right? This used them as leverage, used them to gain what they, what they could and to show. And again, what I always think, and, and, Feel free on social media to respond to me. Give me your opinions on the situation. Uh, what it all boils down to, there are so many instances, and this being the biggest, of ECW establishing uh, the, the old is gone, the old is dead, this is the new, we are fresh, we are new, right? The things that they were doing, uh, the, the tossing aside of the NWA title and saying, nope, that's not it, this title is irrelevant, this title is what means something. Um, the the spray painting of Eastern and crossing it out and marking extreme by Public Enemy on the banner. Uh, the first round of the tournament, nine one one choke slamming, uh, doink the clown three times and pinning him in such short fashion. These were all to me very distinct, uh, impactful ways to state the business has changed and we are that change. And they 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 vaulted themselves. You can talk. I know you can talk uh, size and, and business and, and dollars, and I get all that, right? But ECW vaulted themselves to the face of this this new direction of wrestling, 
and they were trendsetters. And you cannot, I don't care what anybody says, you cannot deny that, right? WCW and the WWE both took and copied from ECW in the direction. I mean, would there, there would not have been an Attitude Era, I dare say, without ECW. So, uh, and this was it, right? This this month of August of 1994, and in particular, um, the night of the NWA tournament, really, really was it. It was the kickstart of this, and it was the beginning of Extreme, uh, the birth of Extreme, as I'd like to coin here for this episode. Um, but I, I think we have shown that there was a lot going on through that whole month and, and even before it with, like I said, the growth of ECW and their uh, television networks uh, and, and their exposure and their markets, et cetera. These, these things were already in motion. Uh, so this was planned out ahead of time. And then, and there was a, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff in play. So, uh, but I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the look at it. Uh, and let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll wrap this all up and, and send her home. So uh, stick around. Support This Is Extreme and buy the This Is Extreme shirt. Show the world that you are part of the revolution and that you support our podcast and the history of ECW. Go to tinyurl.com slash shirt and buy yours today. There you have it, the debut episode of This Is Extreme. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will go out and you will subscribe on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to. I hope you will share our posts, share our episodes, tell a friend, and then make sure you go out and rate and review. Hey, the only way we're going to grow, the only way we're going to get bigger and better is if you help us. We have to network. The bigger we get, the bigger following we get, that means the better guests that we can get on, the better access we can have to the information and the first-hand account from the people who were there. So make sure you help us grow and make sure you tell a friend that they need to listen to This Is Extreme. Make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. You heard it earlier in the ad. Just look up ECW Pod on all those platforms and make sure you follow us and join in on all of our discussions. Make sure you buy a shirt that helps support the show. That is how we keep the lights on, how we pay for all of our hosting and etc. So make sure you go to tinyurl.com slash ECW pod shirt and buy one show the world that you are extreme hey if you got any ideas for future episodes any topics of discussion any time periods events whatever that you want us to dive into and take a look at hit us up on those social media platforms and tell us we love the feedback we want to know good and bad what you think of us hey this is our first episode right hopefully it'll only go uphill from here once again thank you for listening and joining us here on this is extreme I am Dave Dynasty, and until next time, wherever you go and whatever you do, be good, be safe, keep on growing, and make sure to stay extreme.